Welcome to Regal's RyeCast, where we share all things LIDAR. I'm Miranda Welke, Marketing Events Coordinator for Regal USA. This series features interviews with industry experts from around the world, innovative LIDAR applications, best practices, workflow advice, and even exciting news about hardware and software. The podcasts are produced by Regal at their North American headquarters, located in Central Florida, and available worldwide through our Regal newsroom on www.regal.com. Please visit our website to subscribe to the newsroom. Just simply input your email address and click. It's that easy. The regal.com website is a great place to find detailed information on the many LiDAR scanning hardware, firmware, and software products that Regal provides, or request more information or a call from a Regal specialist. In today's RightCast episode, we are back on the road with Josh France as he visits former Regal USA employee and friend, Brett Biankowski, mobile mapping surveyor manager at TetraTech. Join Josh and Brett as they discuss Brett's unique VMX configuration and how they are utilizing this system, not just for roadways, but infrastructure as well. Have you heard about mobile mapping data becoming the staple and comparing against drone data, airborne data, and even photogrammetry? Well, follow along with Josh and Brett as they discuss these very topics and more. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Road Trips with Josh and the VMX. Today, I'm taking more of a day trip rather than a long drive and visiting a longtime Regal fan, former colleague, and friend, Brett Binkowski. He now leads a scanner services group out of the Tampa, Florida area as a part of TetraTech. It's a quick, exciting drive down good old I-4. So, Brett, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you very much for having me. So, Brett, why don't we start off talking a little bit about TetraTech and your role there? TetraTech is a very large company. We have over 20,000 employees worldwide. We have just over 450 offices that span the globe. Our main focus out of our, our group is the geomatics group. So we help support in all things geomatics. That's uh, aerial LIDAR, hyperspectral imagery, photogrammetry, mobile LIDAR, static LIDAR, and we are starting to work along with some of our other partners for just conventional surveying as well. It's been a great company to work for. I've worked here for about two and a half years now, and uh, it's been a great company. They definitely care about their employees, and uh, they, they like to be on the leading edge of the technologies. Well, then you've definitely uh, found a good partner in Regal to provide the uh, cutting-edge technologies there. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about your current mobile mapping systems. It's a VMX-like system. It's not a full VMX. It's a little bit of a special configuration. What were the features of the VMX that led you to go with the sort of the dual-head system versus a you know a single-head uh, integration? Uh, yeah, so I've always loved the VMX as a system. And the data quality that we get out is just amazing. But really for us, the dual head was important because of the projects that we are currently doing. A lot of that being not only roadway, but also infrastructure. And with our previous system, the Pegasus being a single head, we typically always ran it in profile mode. So anytime we saw some sort of obstruction like a power pole or light pole or things like that, 
we would lose the data that's in the back or we wouldn't be able to see the transformer that's on the back side of the power pole and things like that. So sure. having that dual head system in the X pattern really helps us to ensure that we're getting all of the data that we really need without having to do multiple passes. That's very true. The, uh, the scan pattern of the VMX is a very powerful invention. And you sometimes don't realize the extra things that you see with it until you uh, turn off a scanner or have dealt with a single head system, as you mentioned. So I know you've spent a lot of time out uh, doing various survey jobs in the past. So how have you seen the evolution of LIDAR affect the surveying world as you uh, studied it in college versus uh, today's reality? It's really starting to change with not only with the technology advances in in LIDAR, but mainly the technology advances in computers. So LIDAR has always been this amazing, awesome point cloud, but the question has always been, that's great, but what do I do with it? Mm -hmm. And now with the ability to uh, bring point cloud data into AutoCAD and into MicroStation and actually be able to visualize it and use it for what it is, it's starting to be adopted more and more. And that's really the one of the biggest pushes that I've done in the last uh, year and a half here is to start more of an engineering outreach to try to help educate our engineering staff on the capabilities of LIDAR and how it can be useful on their projects. Because a lot of people just see LIDAR and they're like, that's great, but it's a pretty picture. And so educating people on how we can take that and actually use it for production and have it efficiently used for production has been the key. One of our biggest things was uh, with uh, our oil and gas group for um, SPCCs. And so what those are, are a, a volumetric calculation for containment around tanks. So if you've ever been out and drive around and you see these large tank farms where they're holding fuels or liquids or things like that, they have to have a berm around them that can hold that containment if there is a leak. All right. And so that volume is, is very important. And conventional surveying, they would have just shot the top of the berm and the bottom of the berm, but they don't really take into account the piping, the uh, maybe concrete pads, ladders, steps, all of these other things that would change that actual volume. And in the past, they've had had leaks and or overflows because they didn't take into account there's 7,500 feet of piping that's three inches in diameter that's running all around inside that containment area. So with the advent of LIDAR, we're able to model all of those pipes and everything very efficiently and be able to extract that volume out to get a proper volume of what that containment is. And, and that has been something that uh, we started with one of our clients. And then when we showed it, we showed it to that client and they're like, well, you're, you're completely wrong. Um, that that's not what the containment is. And we showed them how, and then they said, okay, cool. That's the only way we're doing containment from now on. And so it's, it's really not only educating the engineers on how to use it and everything else, but also educating the clients, um, on what you really get for the cost. Sure. That's a great example of how true 3d representation of the physical reality of a space really helps provide a value added that obviously to the team originally they said no that's not the way we do it but then because you have it in full 3d you can not only have a really good answer but you can show them 
through a simulation exactly what it would look like and how that would affect their overall volume. That's a really good example of pulling the 2D world of drawings into 3D representation. And there's a lot of power in that. There's so many more examples of that throughout the surveying and geomatic space that you've probably just scratched the surface on. Yeah, it's it's been... And and honestly, even with my experience with LiDAR and being able to see a lot of different potential capabilities for when I worked for Regal, it's still just on a day-to-day basis, we go out and someone calls me and say, hey, we've got this project. And I'm like, oh, we could do that. And and it's been it's been really uh, not only educational for me, but also for the rest of the Tetra Tech team, um, because to have this stuff in-house now and the capabilities of our new system to be rapidly deployable, it, it's definitely changed our game a lot. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I remember this the other day when we were out testing your new system when you received it. You had at least uh, two calls that you were on <laughs> where you were promising uh, the, the quick turnaround of a project. So you definitely uh, always are up for a challenge. Yeah. So this last week, I had the opportunity to be part of the TRB virtual meeting for the uh, Geospatial Acquisition Group. And I was really surprised by the revelation, that I want to see if you've seen the same in, uh, from your side, that really mobile mapping data has become the benchmark to check drone data from, to check airborne data against, and definitely photogrammetry against. Uh, have you seen this as well? We're starting to see it more as... Uh... The complementing technologies. I was actually earlier at the beginning of this week, we were out in um, Oklahoma City and uh, Tetra Tech is the CEI on a new turnpike extension that's going in. And we brought out our mobile system and we drove the whole seven and a half miles that has been completed as a check for volumes and, and things like that. But then we also brought the drone out to fill in the areas where we just weren't able to get from the mobile. Right. And uh, being able to merge those two is definitely something that's been uh, very useful, but it also does help us to give those, those QC checks to say, Hey, yeah, you know, this is, this is truth. We we've been doing that for a while uh, with static and mobile. Sure. Where we've used the static data to, to not only just check the mobile, but also to fill in. And in some cases, we'll hold the mobile and adjust the static to that. That's truly amazing. I love how that's uh, grown so rapidly, and it's such a great tool to use. Now, when you said you used a drone on the project, was this actually the ability to take one of the scanners from the mobile system and move it right to a drone and take off and fly it? Or were you using a different drone? For this one, we were using a different drone. We've got a project in two weeks where we'll be doing that hybrid integration of mobile and drone uh, for LiDAR drone. That was one of the big pushes and I know a fight with Rigo, but is to be able to take our system and, and use it for multiple different instances. And having that ability to take one of those LiDAR heads off and still being integrated and calibrated with the IMU and bolting it directly onto our new in-a-flight galaxy drone platform has been a great capacity for us. And it's also been helping to keep the system more billable. And in a corporate world, that is the most important thing. 
keeping your return on investment and keeping it not sitting on a shelf, having that ability to make the system more portable and more hybrid, it was a huge bonus for us. Yeah. So going back to that idea, what are some of the main advantages to being able to get the system or a scanner system, let's say, up from a drone perspective as opposed to a mobile mapping perspective? So the best options that we've seen with is the incident angles. So in a mobile mapping platform, you can only get the scanner so high. Right. So you can only get it so far off the truck before it's just not stable or anything else. And once you get that angle, you lose some of the ability to penetrate thicker vegetation and and things like that. And that's where having a drone platform where we can see that, okay, there's dense vegetation over here or the incident angle because of the slope just changed so much that you've lost the bottom toe of the the drainage ditch or things like that. Having that drone, because you're looking at more of an an orthometric view now, straight down at at the, the objects or area that you are looking to cover, it allows you to get a little bit more confident data that you are penetrating that vegetation and getting a true ground return. Yes, very true. It's often uh, been a challenge to convince everyone that that's the real problem with soft areas of mobile lighters, that you just can't see through the grass with your eyes. And there's no magic property of LIDAR that allows it to see through objects, even if it has millions of shots at a second. Uh, If you can't see it visually, you can't see it with LIDAR. And definitely in thicker grasses along the side of highways, it's it's a challenge. You're not going to see the inslope of everything. Well, I look forward to uh, seeing some social media posts of your conversion of the system and uh, hopefully a really cool sped up in time video of you driving and then turning it into a drone platform. That would be really unique. My future world still has the hope for a drone that you can launch while driving to go pick up areas that you know you can't see while driving and have it just you know take off and land on the truck as you go. But uh, I think there's some safety things to work out there still. You know, you let me know. I'm down to try it. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So what kind of flight time are you seeing with the drone system that you have out of curiosity? So right now it's just purely electric. Okay. And so we are with the AP60 and the Bucks 1HA with the SIS and all the cables and everything. We're looking at around eight and a half to nine kilos. Yeah, payload. That's pretty happy. Yeah, it really took a special bird to be able to do that. But the InnoFlight Galaxy, the the new 1080 HL, mm-hmm. has allowed us to fly for just under 30 minutes with the full electric. Wow. But they are finalizing their hybrid upgrade for this, so we would be able to put a little gas motor in the nose cone there, and then. Their current flight testing right now would would increase that flight time to up to almost two hours. Wow, that's awesome! Yeah, that really we've is. been working with the uh, the developers for the the drone and and Stephen has just been amazing to work with. Like every little thing I ask him for, there's no there's no place to put a Vuxis. So I said, hey, can we design something? He's like, sure, I'll send send you the parts right over. So he's been an, an amazing partner to work with on integrating the LIDAR triggering from the Regal and integrating uh, different parts onto the bird and having power and everything else onto the system. And the system is very well built. Well, that's great to hear. Glad that's working out for you. 
definitely it's great to hear of all the scanner fusion you're able to uh, take advantage of for data checking and quality. So let's go with the uh, the fun part of this talk is always talking about road trips a little bit. And I know you've uh, you've definitely gone to some unique uh, and remote locations from time to time. So what's been your favorite travel adventure for your uh, work career so far? So the best trip that I've had is is actually probably still when I was working with Regal. We got to go to the Divic Diamond Mine up in the Northwest Territories. And it's actually two open pits that were built from underwater and they drained all the water out. And they're and uh the the key there was is they had a, a very interesting problem of being able to scan these pits year round, but not really having a lot of access. So we had to look at different ways to be able to get the scan angles and everything for them as the pit was open, but then also monitoring the high walls for moisture saturation pre-blast and everything else. And and really the, the VZ400 ended up being the greatest solution for that. And we used a, a custom, I think it was like four meter high uh, tripod to be able to get the system up and over the side of the high wall. And uh, from what I've been told, they've actually gone on one of the designs that we gave them about putting it into a cart and actually sending it over the side to now be able to get the the full sides of the pit. So that's definitely been one of the coolest ones that I've had so far. Yeah, the Divic Mind is uh, definitely a exciting journey to get there. And uh, hopefully you didn't have to go there during their exciting winter temperatures of uh, minus 40. No, we were there in the summer. We did Alaska at negative 40. <laughs> One of those fun temperatures that's the same regardless of if you're thinking of Celsius or Fahrenheit. So fun. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time, Brett. It was good catching up and hearing about the exciting adventure you've embarked upon at TetraTech and your amazing ability to find new and innovative ways to bring 3D data to the marketplace. Oh, thank you very much for having us. You're most welcome. So as I head back to Orlando, a good old I-4, it's remarkable to think of how much work can truly be done through the advent of sensor fusion that's out there today. And it's been a real pleasure speaking with our former colleague, Brett, and hearing about the new innovative approaches he's brought to TetraTech and how they've been able to expand the services they offer many of their customers in their global marketplace. So until next time, take care of one another and be safe. This has been Josh France with Road Trips with Josh and the BMX. Another big thank you to Josh and Brett for taking the time to talk to us today. It's really important to remember that the LiDAR scanner is not just the most important factor, but the data that comes from it is equally as important and how you can use this LiDAR data in production efficiently. And don't forget, you can subscribe to our RyeCast anywhere you listen to podcasts and the Regal Ultimate LiDAR webinar series through our international newsroom on www.regal.com. You, the Regal users, give us the best stories to tell. And we always appreciate your suggestions. So please send us your ideas or comments to communications at regalusa.com. And as always, have an ultimate LiDAR day. And until next time, Miranda signing out. 